0: when we think about like those budgets being cut, if we had that impact information on Mm. the brand and on Mm -hmm. the brand's bottom line, the conversation changes from supplier diversity being the right thing to do, which it is, right? right? It's necessary, it's important, but it elevates the conversation to, let me show you the impact that supplier diversity and diversity is having on our brand perception.
1: Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap. Through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority led, women led, LGBT led, and veteran led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H I R E G R O U N D.io. Now on to the episode.
2: Hi, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore, and I'm joined as always with my co-host, Chloe Goodry-Reed. And today we're going to sit down and talk with Stephanie Francis, the founder of hoodology and after building analytics and insight divisions for multiple agencies stephanie is thrilled to be focusing on marrying sound research principles with modern technology she's recognized as one of phoenix business journals 40 under 40 a member of the valley leadership and an award-winning speaker stephanie is most proud of her ability to ask how could we have done that better in her spare time stephanie loves wandering through central park finding inspiration in the oddballs of life meditating, and throwing pottery to stay connected with her art school days. The The tagline for Hoodology is Mastering the Art and Science of Smarter Business Decision Making. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yes. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So tell us, you know, how did you you know, start Hootology. I mean, it is amazing what you guys are doing. I've read some of your recent reports, as well as some of the indexes and the Harvard Business Review. You guys have just really put out some good content. So tell us how it all got started.
0: Yeah, we really just were frustrated with the lack of evolution in the market research world. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started in market research quite a long time ago, this will date me, there was a almost a fist fight that blo- broke out on the floor of a global research firm that I was working for. And I, in my youthfulness, I ran over and peeked over the cube. And that fist fight was about um, two different groups of people who believed that market research about what the future of market research looked like and Mm. one group was team phone research so they believed that from now until the end of time um, random digit dials to people's landlines at 7 p.m to talk to them for 30 or 45 minutes about their thoughts and feelings uh, about products and services would be the end all be all of market research the other group of people was simply saying, hey, all the kids are, are talking about this internet thing. Perhaps we should just consider it, right? right? They weren't saying tomorrow we should change everything. And team ph- phone research was like, heck no, this is how it's always gonna be. So obviously we know how that story played out. Right. <laughs> right. As, <laughs> as I went along in my career after that, I had a couple moments where we realized that that mentality, that sort of old school, this is how it's always been done. Mm. Um, creeping its way back in. Right. Mm And I I remember two, two kind of two key moments that weren't that long ago, maybe five, six years ago. And at the time we were trying to understand kind of fan behavior, right? Like Mm -hmm. around sports. Mm -hmm. And the default was to do a, 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 traditional focus group, which meant grab eight to 10 strangers, put them in a sterile corporate room mm-hmm. and ex- look at the mirror and have mm-hmm. them pretend like there wasn't the executives behind that. And I was like, what are we, why are we still doing this? Like we're, yeah. we are the team phone research people. Mm-hmm. And so we thought about like, how would we recreate that today? If, mm-hmm. if everything, like we kept the sound research principles, but we rethought that experience to gather more meaningful, more connected and richer insights and information and just Mm -hmm. a better experience for folks.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, it is Mm. the art and the science, right? Yeah. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it's so smart to be even doing market research, but I mean, I I'm sure that you can attest to this. I oftentimes don't see companies doing a lot of it. And as a result, products, new solutions that they roll out just fail. I mean, can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about how important doing market research is to large organizations?
0: Yeah. In fact, I teach a, a class at NYU in the graduate program for global market research. Mm-hmm. And um, on day one, I give each of the students a really high level strategic question right mm-hmm. like you know what should our immersive media strategy be globally something that's yeah. you know pretty rich and big yeah. And every student has a different question and I give them 15 minutes. And then the question that I offer is simply, what would you do if, if this was the question you were, you were at, tasked to tackle? Mm. And inevitably after 15 minutes, uh, the graduate students have a very thorough, um, <laughs> very creative, uh, very expensive uh, plan, mm-hmm. right? And what typically happens is I say, that's interesting. Like, you know, I've been, I've been doing this a long time and I have no idea what that answer should be. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when they, when they share their grand plans, I'll typically follow up with say like, cool, that's really, really good idea. That's probably about a hundred million dollars. You just,
2: (laughs) right. (laughs) Right.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Um, Now, how sure do you feel about that particular suggestion that you're going to recommend to your boss or to your company? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh wait, what? <laughs>
1: and so, <laughs> or to your whole, client no less right no. yeah yes. yeah
0: yeah and and so then the whole class becomes about okay now that we have a question now that we have a strategic question the we pause right and mm-hmm. we think what information do I need to be able to answer this question? And then how am I going to gather it? Mm-hmm. So then when we get to that final decision, it's like we have this rich body of information that still needs your creative thought, that still needs mm-hmm. your expertise, that still mm-hmm. needs, but it's it increases the likelihood for success of those large, expensive decisions.
1: I love that. I love yeah, that. Nice. So so what I'm hearing is that any sort of new initiative that organizations are thinking about, they need to do the market research on the front end to ensure the success and the successful rollout of the, and adoption of any Mm -hmm. new product and solution.
0: Yeah. And it's not even just for new stuff, right? It could mm, be um, such a
1: good point. Just yeah, like stuff that you've just, always had. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or branding, right? Mm. Like uh, the world is changing drastically. Right. Um, how is our messaging and marketing and brand evolving with our target markets? Mm-hmm. And that, if you kind of just can think about some of your favorite brands, you can think like how much you've changed it's, mm-hmm. if we're still hearing those same old messages that psychology of consumer loyalty is is impacting all of us right right um you know when we talk about the art and science of decision making there's a big psychology element on mm. on our end as well mm-hmm. which is one of the other things that makes us different because a lot of market research companies have scientists which we have right mm-hmm. phd in econometrics but not the psychologists to understand human behavior and so mm. how do we kind of uh, help understand how all of us are making connections to different products and services, and what we think about
1: a product or service that we that we buy.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So you That's talked, fascinating. So you talked a little bit about your team members. Tell us how how your team is made up and and why you chose to have you know certain sort of talents on your team because. I think that that's important to highlight when you talk about just market research firms, because, you know, there are a lot that just call and have, you know, um, sort of VA level and there's really no sort of science behind it. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about your team.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so fortunate. Um, I truly have the dream team of market research. And Um, Luckily I've I've been able to work with most everybody over the course of my career and sort of have Mm -hmm. like that that hand-picked dream team. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two business partners, um, Shaylin and Jose who are Mm -hmm. married. And um, and then we have our PhD in econometrics, uh, which is Melissa. Um, female uh, statistician, love that. Um, love that. And then Dr. Lindsay Buckman, who's our psychologist, both of mm. which I've worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. And then probably the best story is about 25 years ago, I worked in social services with abused and neglected teenagers, probably mm. for about eight to 10 years. Mm. And when Shay, Jose, and I were just getting going with hootology. We needed that fourth, we needed that next, that first full-time hire. Mm. And I remember saying to them, oh, you guys, there's this person from like 20 years ago. Like we just need to find somebody like Christine. Like, mm. and we kept we kind of had this like Christine archetype. And no, <laughs> no joke, like. Less than three or four days later, um, Christine calls me out of the blue, and she was moving across country. Her life had kind of a little bit been upended. She was pretty upset about it, and she was sobbing. And, and she's like, "I haven't worked in so long because I've been raising my kids. When I get to my new destination, can you please be a reference for me for for a new like a new job search?" And I was like, "No."
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 oh my god that's so funny yeah,
0: yeah and she tells the story better than i do But she was crying and was like i need you and i'm like no no no, we're hiring you when you yeah. get there like go get there get settled and and whatnot and now like she's just irreplaceable she's our director of details
2: that's awesome i
1: love that i love that and it is all that's about really the cool. details. It is all about the details, mm-hmm. particularly in market research. Yeah. So
2: it's one of those things. I think you kind of alluded to it, right, Stephanie? You can have a hundred million dollar campaign, but if you miss the detail and you miss the target audience, there's no ROI on that money, and you don't get a refund, and you don't get it back, and you know you're packing up you and your entire division because that doesn't sit really well uh, with with corporates. So no, that's yeah. that's you've got to have that.
0: Yeah, I was talking to a um, uh, someone who had a procurement at the, the mid to large size firm, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how they don't do research before making big decisions. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like throwing darts blind. And like yes. every single yep. one of those darts is a million dollar dart. Yeah. right. <laughs> and right. you know, he was laughing and she's like, yeah, we just keep buying more darts. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, that's the whole thing uh. is like, if you gather your information, then you can figure out which one of these darts has the most likelihood for success, mm-hmm. and then how do we, instead of spending all the money on those other darts, kind of put all put all of that investment surrounding that strategy, which then mm-hmm. even even boosts its ability to to have success um, in that particular way.
1: Right. Awesome. Right. 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 That is so awesome. And you know, speaking of you know throwing darts against the wall, um, you know, a lot of companies that. I think we we've spoken to, they've had extremely great plans, but there are a mm-hmm. lot of companies out there from a diversity and inclusion and particularly around supplier diversity don't have very much of a plan. Um, and or so, any. yeah. Or, or any, you know, and I think um, not to fault them, I think they're still trying to figure it out. And which leads me to I, I want to talk about one of the things that I found just amazing that Hootology did was the corporate diversity index last year. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about how that came about and, and maybe what you guys discovered.
0: Yeah, well, like all good relationships, it started at the bar, Um, and if I'm honest, honest, a lot of bars, and it really came to be when we were certified as a diverse owned business, we're certified Mm -hmm. through the NGLTC and Mm -hmm. WeBank, and so we kind of came on the circuit, and I think we were a little bit different than than what I hear uh, others are, but we tend to be a little bit quirky anyways. And, you know, when we first got here, we were just like, let's learn about this supplier diversity, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. And we weren't necessarily trying to, what I sometimes see and and say is like bulldoze through the supplier diversity person. Like, we were just like, hey, who are you? Let's talk. And so we found ourselves in these conversations, oftentimes at the bar. And, you know, we realized that there was a disconnect between what we were seeing and what we were hearing. Mm. And what we were seeing was how hard these biodiversity professionals were working month after month. And then we knew mm. there was other conferences that we weren't going to, you know, and mm. MSDC and Disability Inn and the other right. amazing ones. And I'm just like, oh my God, you're working so hard. And I, I see how like poised you are and professional you are. And and sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with people who haven't done the prep, you know, coming up to meet you and it's like, yeah. oh, just the professionalism was so amazing. Yeah. And then we started because we were just sort of more friends or becoming friends with the supplier diversity professionals, we would start to hear whisperings about you know, budgets being cut or headcount mm. being cut, or, mm. you know, sometimes I remember someone said our C-suite doesn't even know we exist. Mm. And because we're nerdy uh, <laughs> researchers, you know, I sat there with my uh, dirty kettle one martini with blue cheese olives. And I was like, well, how are you measuring your impact? Right. Yeah. And, and inevitably, you know, we were having lots of these conversations as so we kept hearing the same thing inevitably we would get one of three answers, right? You probably know them. We're tracking our awards, we're tracking our spend and we're doing economic impact. And and some
1: of, some of them say they're tracking economic impact.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And those are all great. And they, and there's, there's a story obviously with each of those, but, but then I, you know, every time I would say, no, 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 Like, how are you, how are you tracking, how are you showing your impact? Because like, it's like, This inherently is amazing, but we gotta be like and and then Mm -hmm. it sort of became like I kept repeating the question and then it was like this awkward, uncomfortable silence of both of us just staring at each other like, (laughs) like.
1: You're like, I'm not about to break the eye contact. I'm waiting (laughs) for an answer.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, but it was like, wait, like I was more confused because I'm like, no, 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 like those are all great. Right. Uh, Again, going up means great things for diverse owned businesses, but every division within your corporation is being tasked to spend less. Right. So suddenly we're kind of coming in with this thing of like, we're spending more and everyone's like, wait, what? And then awards are fantastic. Supplier diversity professionals work so hard, but like it's a myopic impact on how Mm -hmm. many people, everyone who knows who's getting the award already is bought in, right? Everyone in the supplier diversity ecosystem. So awards should continue, well-deserved, right? And then economic impact, fantastic. um, And it's external to the walls of the corporation, right? right? Right. And whether we like it or not, um, every C-suite person out there has to care most about his or her Uh, bottom line first. Now we can talk separately and and if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think we can all agree that is the current structure um, that we're all living under. And so when we think about like those budgets being cut, if we had that impact information on Mm. the brand and on Mm -hmm. the brand's bottom line, the conversation changes from supplier diversity being the right thing to do, which it is right? right. It's necessary. It's important, but it elevates the conversation to let me show you the impact that, supplier diversity and diversity is having on our brand perception on consideration Mm -hmm. and on actual purchases. Now we're having a different conversation internally. Absolutely. Um, So that's what the, how the corporate diversity index came to be. And the one little correction is it's actually an annual study.
1: I love it. Yes. 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 To see the the, progress too. To Mm -hmm.
0: see the progress, to be able to track your brand, to be able to track trends in diversity and supplier diversity around corporations, and then be able to continue to have those conversations. Year after year after
1: year, and and track that. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I just think that it's so useful, and I think that it's a really helpful tool for supplier diversity professionals who, some of them, definitely struggle with, um, you know, getting buy-in with category managers, with, you know, I I would, I would think that most of the C-suite is bought in, but you know, you just you it's difficult to navigate, but when people can see the impact internally that it's making to the organization, because every manager is tasked with the success of the organization mm-hmm. to a ver- to varying degrees. And so I just, I, I just think that that's incredible.
2: Yeah. And it's a, and it's a great thing too, because from my experience being a practitioner inside of it, a lot of my peers don't come with a background in sourcing, contract writing, they've, you know, they have not had, that has not been the skill set they've brought into it. Uh, They come with more of an HR background. And now all of a sudden they're in the middle of a sourcing organization and there's a whole other language being thrown at them. And so the index I think is actually very, very helpful too. So that they have something to talk back to their counterparts in sourcing about, right? And, and and I think that's where a lot of the breakdown in conversations have happened. And just in my talking to peers and peers and having to mentor other peers is trying to get them to understand. I understand when we're talking sourcing, it's a whole different way of blocking and tackling the business than when you came over from the HR side of it. And and it's it's, it's a different way of, of of approach. And I love the index because it gives them now another tool to talk about. That's not awards. It's not economic impacts, right? This is a whole other way to look at it that is impactful and does drive bottom line. Uh, And that's what really starts to get attention.
1: Absolutely. So, Stephanie, you mentioned that you're a professor as well. I want to hear more about that. How did that come to be? And what do you enjoy most about teaching?
0: Yeah, I, it came to be just from uh, working with somebody who was also a professor at NYU. And I was, I was guest lecturing for a while. And Mm. then we sort of realized that we had kind of different interests and he got a different class. And so the class he was teaching that was market research was, was available. um, And so got asked to interview and then got the, got the opportunity. I think what I, you know, I just... I'm so passionate about decision makers, understanding mm. that mm. there's so many different ways to gather information before they make decisions, that mm. it's another avenue to kind of have that um, on somewhat, sometimes a larger scale because all the students, you know, most mm. of them aren't trying uh, to become market researchers. My goal every cl- every semester is to convert one of them, right? Get them so excited <laughs> about market research that, um, that they want and suddenly go into it, but it, it's really oriented to the future decision makers right mm-hmm. the future leaders who who can understand mm-hmm. the difference between quant and the difference between qual and how you know starting folks at the modernization standpoint or what mm-hmm. is kind of current day modernization Um, the ology and hootology is actually a nod to kind of the ongoing commitment to growing and and evolving how Mm. market research is done so today what we're doing is modern but five years from now it's going to be outdated and so Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. how are we going to stay up with that and so kind of bringing them in instead of getting caught up in all of those stats classes that we took and the market research classes that we took and kind of just bypassing all of that and getting them kind of forward thinking it's been pretty exciting and I think what's exciting is a lot of people, when they start to sort of see how today's reports can look with like high definition video and Love participant that. themes kind of all strung together, like it doesn't happen easily, but it really brings, you know, kind of a report to life when, when a client can hear and see their, their target market right. kind of talking about these
1: things in, mm-hmm. in a new way.
2: That's really Wait, cool.
1: It is really cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love that. So you kind of touched on my next question, right? You got, you got, you explained the ology. I want to understand the hoot, <laughs> right? I, I think that's fantastic. So as I'm trying to put piece, the timeline together, you saw fist fight breakout, uh, between the phone and the non-phoners, <laughs> yeah. um, and then hootology was born. So kind of fill in the fuzzy sparts.
0: <laughs> yeah. A lot of other things happen between those <laughs> things. And hootology was born about four and a half years ago. And okay. The, the hoot actually stands for two two things, right? Okay. Um, in cahoots or in partnership. But as okay. we thought about that, we're like, blah, blah, blah. Yet another agency that claims to be a partner with their clients. It's like, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. so basic and <laughs> so every day. Um, but then the piece that, that I sort of kept kind of this speaks to my personality, kept kind of grabbing onto was hoot nanny um, mm. or a celebratory good time. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you how many people, how many mentors of mine and other folks said, you cannot, you cannot mix fun and business. You don't do it. And I was like, okay, I hear you. And I'm gonna go do it. And we're called Hoodology. And it's on our website. And you know, really the way that we thought about it is you know, what we do is important. i meaning like there's a lot on the line. It's stressful. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's the, our clients are oftentimes really, really nervous and, and appropriately. So, cause they're spending money they don't know what they're going to get. And they have this big decision on their shoulders. Like, so we're not minimizing that this is, this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's difficult and it's cr- crucial, but we still think it's fun. Like we enjoy oh, yeah. it. And yeah. so, so be it. Um, know the alternative was what, like SBF research, like no, and that doesn't sound <laughs> fun. Um, and, no. and so, yeah, so here we are. And, and it's, it's interesting now that people have kind of gotten used to the name and are like, you know, like it versus being like, what's that?
2: I love it. Yeah. I've, I've come to learn in the marketing realm was like oh it's a marketing company what's the name got it had, there's been there's been quite a few i've had to step back from a go oh huh, i wonder how they got that one uh so thank you thank you for spreading the light uh on that that was that's i love that story i always love those origin stories like that that's fantastic
1: well stephanie i um have one last question i want you to kind of share with our audience you know i know we've got a lot of corporations that are always listening you know tell us a little bit about you know just the process and really what differentiates sotology from some of yeah. the other market research firms and what companies should be looking for in, in, in a research firm that they may look, be um, looking to, to contract with.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll talk about kind of two sides of our business. One is sure. the custom market research side, mm-hmm. and really that is about taking a very specific um, high-level strategic question gathering a lot of information in a modernized way and being able to have that decision be made by a group of people. Mm -hmm. And we're really different on the custom market research side because we're modernizing in kind of three crucial ways. One is with technology, Mm -hmm. um, one is with psychology, and one is just just staying ahead and attentive to how society is changing. Mm. And so really creating kind of uh, dare I say bespoke research uh, uh, <laughs> methodologies and modalities to be sure that we're getting the most meaningful information for those decisions for today's time. Mm. On the on the standardized side or on the product side, we have the Corporate Diversity Index, which is an annual study. Um, we just, we feel that uh, there was 50 brands included in the 2021 study. The results just came out. In fact, yeah. Earlier today, I did um, a webinar for our current clients and with a lot of new clients this year, which is exciting, Mm -hmm. and really helping them understand how to use this in an ongoing way Mm -hmm. over the course of the year, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't meant to be like a, a, a one point check in but how they can continually come back to it to you know, elevate the conversation around supplier mm-hmm. diversity, mm-hmm. justify additional budget and additional headcount, really support uh, their their interactions with, with procurement and the C-suites and anybody who they want to understand the power of supplier diversity, and then bridge to other divisions internally, whether it be marketing or whether it be DNI, to be able to constantly use this information for all types of conversations. And so as part of the Corporate Diversity Index there's there's two different portions of the report and one portion is in Tableau, which is a mm-hmm. dynamic uh, reporting tool so it allows each client to go select their own target market and understand right. the impact of diversity and supplier diversity right So we, we knew that supplier diversity mm-hmm. we were told at the bar back in the day we were told that people don't know about supplier diversity by supplier diversity professionals. Right. And we weren't deterred by that because we wanted to understand of those of those who do what's the impact on brand favorability what's the impact on consideration? What's the impact on market share? And what we found over, over the, the three years is that people who are aware of supplier diversity are twice over twice as likely to buy products and services from those brands. Right, And we can quantify that for every single brand. And new this year is we've actually been able to say, Um, a 1% lift in awareness of your supplier diversity initiative will equate to X number of new people who think favorably about your brand, Mm. new people who who consider your brand, and new people who purchase your brand. So because we knew that supplier diversity was pretty niche, or we were told by supplier diversity professionals, we did the exact same thing for perception of your brand as one that values diversity. One of the, the things that's important is like, We know that supplier diversity awareness is low. In fact, this year it's at Mm 4.7% of the U S population is aware about supplier diversity, but the good news is that two years ago it was 2.7%. Hey, Mm -hmm. we doubled. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's a statistically significant difference, right? So Mm -hmm. it went up a percentage point every single year and it's things like, you know, target has a commercial now that that is highlighting supplier Mm -hmm. diversity and and diverse owned businesses and Mm -hmm. Southwest had a magazine and flights highlighting their relationship with the nglcc and of course mm-hmm. we all know about giant food and their their new mm-hmm. you know, diverse tags at the shelf level and so yeah. so that's the kind of things that will change the awareness and and we can speak to what that awareness will do for your particular mm-hmm. brand and so yep. the the last example I, i'll give is you know when one of my business partners and i first started in research about that those fight that fight day around around that yep. time yep we were doing a global study for um, a fortune 50 tech company. And Mm -hmm. at that time that tech company was trying to track the awareness of sound familiar, right? Awareness Uh of tech, awareness of supplier diversity Mm -hmm. um, and adoption of like 10 different technologies across something like 16 different countries. And -hmm. they did this study quarterly. And so 15 years ago, like emerging technologies were quite different than they are today. Oh, yeah. There was this one technology that in my, in my ignorance, right? I said, Shay, you know, every quarter, this, this, this technology is at 2%, aware, 2% awareness and 2% adoption. No one cares, nobody wants it, right? Around the entire world, why is this company spending so much money to track awareness and adoption of this technology? Well, that technology was voice over IP right? No. Oh, and, oh, oh, yeah.
2: Right. yeah. Here we are today, yeah, literally.
0: And here yeah. we are today. And and what what they knew that I didn't know at the time as I was hopefully maturing in my market research career is understanding that 2% at the time helped them define their strategy, kind of back to our earlier mm-hmm. conversation about the question in mm-hmm. class. And yeah. so they were using that information to message and market and understand why the people who liked it like it, right? Mm-hmm. And then have that grow to 3%, 4%, 10%, Skype, came around we were all Mm -hmm. like what so Jetsons ah, and then FaceTime and then now obviously in the business community we're at 100% awareness of of voice over IP and that that's that's where that started and so when when people get discouraged about that that two three four now 4.7% we're not we're thrilled it's gone up by a percentage Mm -hmm. point every single year and and we feel like we can help continue to grow that because it's like The whole I all my everyone makes fun of me. I always mess this up. So the whole rising tides lifts all the boats. Yes. Yes. I I say that all the time. Rising tides raise all boats. Absolutely. Chloe, you're you're better than me then because I normally say all the boats
1: raise all the tides. (laughs)
2: like it's hey no okay
1: yes yes rise raise all boats all boats yes yes that's it yeah I think that that is I think it's incredible I just I just want to tell you that the index I think that you guys are doing it that Mm -hmm. you're doing it every year is incredible and Not only does it help the corporations, but it helps the small businesses so much because they then don't have to fight so hard because these corporations and these advocates, these supplier diversity professionals are armed with the right information to Mm -hmm. really drive change in the organization and and hopefully bring more equity and and opportunity to their diverse own supplier base. So
2: Chloe,
0: I love what you just said, because the way that we think about it is if, if, all of the corporations Mm -hmm. now could kind of justify the impact on their bottom line. Odds are good if we know corporations, they're going to get more funding, more support. Mm -hmm. Then they're all, all going to have more money to support the NMSDCs, the disability ends. And then those amazing organizations can then vet and find and train new diverse owned businesses. And now suddenly we're in a different ecosystem. And so as we sat at that bar, you know, four and a half years ago, it was really this massive realization in that moment, the awkward moment of us continuing to ask that question and seemingly not being understood and not understanding is this one small piece that that we can hopefully contribute to this amazing ecosystem and this supplier diversity.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: And I said I had one last question, but I just, I want you to comment on this. This is not necessarily a question, (laughs) but kind of a question, you know, just because I know you're a researcher to the core. Um, And I'm sure you've done some research around this, you know, what would you say to companies who would say, Hey, you know, supplier diversity is just not important to us right now. I'm sure that you Mm -hmm. see the trends of just the landscape of our nation is changing. What would you say to some of those companies who have decided, Hey, we're just going to put it at the bottom or the back. It's just not a priority for us.
0: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. What, what we've seen is, what I would say is you're missing a massive opportunity because Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. the connection there's 60% of the U S who thinks it's important that corporations value diversity Mm. and um, similar to kind of all of our uh, allegiances, we're going to act accordingly. Mm. And we're missing that, that 60% of people who, Um, who are, who are, who are ready and ripe to understand, right. It's almost Mm. like we had a party and uh, invited a hundred people and we had 60 people with like overlapping interests on social media from us, but only 5% RSVP would and one came like we're missing all of those Mm. people with, without using um, diversity kind of strategically and intentionally, and most importantly, authentically, right. It's like the 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 reaction to the to the George Floyd murder last year in terms of all of the suddenly like the the advertising and just changing the actual humans that are in the ads is right. Is, is falling flat, and this is yeah. a really unique moment in time to be able to understand and be a part of change. Because whether yeah. we like it or not, corporations have power, yeah. and they have a power to kind of, um, you know, help elevate the conversation, but really um, help change social norms. And I, yes. I think that they're really missing that opportunity because, you know, it what's it, what help helps us all. Again, a lot of things help us evolve, but. Whether it's right or wrong, corporations have a lot of power, you know, just look at all the people with corporate logo tattoos on them. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, they can change social norms to your point, but they can also change trajectories of communities and outcomes of people's lives, just by doing some of these things. So, so awesome Stephanie, thank you so much. This was for amazing thank you Yes to Speak with us today. Of thank course. you for all the amazing work that you and your team are doing in the supplier diversity and diversity and inclusion space. Yes. We will continue to follow you And for corporations who are interested in learning more about your services, where can they come and find you?
0: www.hutology.com or my cell phone is 480-685-0639. I love now
2: it. That's confidence. I love yes, it.
1: Yes. I'm sure you were going to get some calls and <laughs> I, I continue to just like any, any corporations, even clients that we talk to are, are, are mm-hmm. really trying to figure this out and trying to figure out how do we articulate this externally, how do we articulate it internally and how do we put metrics around the information that we're sharing and um, some of the statistics that you provided have just been powerful. So thank you so much.